Hey, Laura, how's it going? Great, how are you, Carrie? Great, welcome back. Thanks, welcome we, back to you. We're back to our scripted content. But before that, as always, guys, we got to talk to you about Magic Mind. We've got a lot of people asking more questions about this magical little elixir. And um, so, yeah, we want to we wanna talk to you a little bit more about it. Um, one of the things that I don't think we've mentioned before is... It, it helps it helps me deal with stress and Laura I don't know about you um, you've got a lot going on I've got a lot going on and so that day to day with different things each day it, it's stressful so one of the things that I love about this is that it helps to lessen my anxiety and my stress so it allows me to get more sleep at night so that I don't actually because there's no caffeine in it right so I don't actually wake up groggy in the morning and just kind of have to like slog through trying to get my day going right you're not going from like a caffeine high to a crash to you know right and forth which yeah. is nice I think it really helps yeah for me I mean everybody I talk to keeps talking about ashwagandha and that's in this um and everybody's saying that it's it, a miracle drug that helps with stress and your anxiety and lowers your cortisol levels which ladies we all know we need to do <laughs> so yeah that stuff's amazing yeah absolutely um it's it's really wonderful guys we can't say enough amazing things about it like i said you guys have been reaching out to us and wanting to know more about the products so we thought we would touch on some of the different um the different things that we haven't mentioned before there are so many amazing and wonderful ingredients and benefits to it so um yeah, I know that it can help anyone else who struggles with, you know, stress throughout their day, their minds are racing at night. It helps you, you know, it, it just helps with your sleep and it's just, it's just wonderful. So, um, yeah, we've got a special, um, uh, help me out, Laura, what's the word? Discount code. Sorry. Right. I so need, the... I need to take some of this right now. You talk while I right. drink. <laughs> Sounds good. It sounds like our normal what we do a thousand percent um, so, yeah <laughs> so the link uh is www.magicmind.co backslash h-o-a-h um and if you sign up for a subscription you get 40 percent off uh using our code and it is h-o-a-h so again it's www.magicmind.co backslash h-o-a-h and then our code is h-o-a-h Yes. Yay. Anyway, guys. Um, yeah. Magic Mind. We love it. You'll love it. Try it out today. Again, www.magicmind.co backslash H-O-A-H. And for 40% off your um, subscription for the next 10 days, code H-O-A-H. And now let's talk about some ghosts. Howdy, Carrie. Hi. Again. Hello. How are you? Good. Um, I'm good. You said what's happening, and I said good. Um, 
Yeah, we're a little bit out of out of our uh, normal realm. We our last episode we interviewed the fabulous spirit photographer and psychic medium Julie Griffin, and um, then we had our big fun Halloween party before that, and so we're back in the saddle again with our um, regular uh, type episodes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yes, we sure do. All right. Yeah, we've got stuff and no. things going on, guys. Um, let's uh, get into our EVPs. And in that, I do want to let everybody know that I have no EVPs this week. <laughs> that might be a fucking record. I think it is. I think it is. I I think it is. You know me, though. I'll probably come up with something right. or remember something like halfway through your part. Um, so how For about sure. you? You got anything? Uh, no, no, just, uh, you know, doing normal life, getting ready for I the have a... Christmas, <sighs> the Thanksgiving Christmas. season. So yes. getting into that. Yes. I did put my Christmas tree up, but it is not decorated. Same. I just want the ambiance. And I have now been elected to host Thanksgiving, so I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but uh, now I have a bunch of people coming over and I need to feed them, so... Probably happened when you weren't paying attention and then decisions were just made. <laughs> Laura, sound good? Huh? Yeah, yeah, fine. That works. Um, yeah, we're going to go over to my cousin Cheryl's for Thanksgiving. And then, um, yeah, I have, uh, as I think I told everybody, uh, I was laid off again. So I have a part-time job as a paranormal tour guide here in Raleigh. So I actually have um, tours Thanksgiving night and Black Friday. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Nice. I love it. I've remembered I, as you were speaking, cause you, your voice seems to trigger memories in my head that I'm like, Oh, I wanted to say that. Um, it's just somebody else talking. You're I like, did. wait, wait, I know. it's my turn. Let me talk. I, I decided I wasn't done yet. Um, <laughs> which is why paranormal tour guide is perfect for me. Right. No one's, no one's interrupting me. Um, the, we have, uh, gotten rid of our Twitter account. So we, um, Laura, if you want to let everybody know where they can follow us now that we don't have Twitter anymore, it's basically all the same things minus right. Twitter. So TikTok, Facebook, um, and Instagram. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, we, we got rid of our Twitter, uh, for a couple of reasons. One guys, we rarely did anything on it. Really? We pr primarily promote all of the stuff on our Facebook and our Twitter and our Instagram. So, we decided to um, bag it, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. You can infer anything else that you choose to, given the recent developments with Twitter. <laughs> I mean, nobody loves a good dumpster fire more than me. <laughs> so, I don't know, that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you what, though. So, yeah. Um, but Wendy's peppermint frosty... Yes, Twitter is out. Wendy's peppermint frosties are in. I love love this time of year because um, Baskin Robbins has their peppermint chip or peppermint stick ice cream. 
Uh-huh. And they only have it at the holidays. It's my favorite freaking thing ever at Christmas. Um, and now we've got to go to Wendy's tomorrow, probably, and get some peppermint Frosties. Are there peppermint bits in it? No. Oh. It's kind of sweet. It's not super. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's so funny because I was my mom and I were sitting on the couch today and watching um, How It Really Happened, that HLN true crime show. Mm-hmm. And I was looking up um, peppermint uh, Christmas cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> so Just go get a Frosty, throw some alcohol schnapps in it, and we're good. And done. And done. So, yeah, everybody run out and get a peppermint Frosty. Um to that end, I that's that's all I have. That I, I think I think that's all I have. That's the most interesting thing that's happened to me in two days. <laughs> the peppermint frosty. Great, that's great. Um, I'm all this shit's good. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do have our trees up. They're not decorated, but we kind of figured because my son Koi also worked at the same company that we did, and he was laid off. Um, so we, as a family, decided that since we just lost all of our income, we were going to start Christmas early in our house because we felt like we needed a little cheering up. <laughs> I say do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, to that end, uh, do you have anything else? No. No? All right, cool. All right. You know what? I think that is the quickest. Holy crap. It is. All right. Yeah. So let's tell everybody where we're going uh, this week. And we're going international, guys. We are going to the Castle of Good Hope. And that is in, oh my gosh, we, I wrote this a long ago. <laughs> we, yeah. Africa. <laughs> yeah. You know what? We, so before Laura tells you her sources, um, we wrote this a couple of months ago. And for whatever reason, we didn't do it. I think it was before we even went to Europe. Um, we wrote this episode. And for whatever reason, we didn't do it. I think we decided to take a break while we prepared or what have you. So we're going through the episode, upcoming episode list. And Laura's like, did we do Castle of Good Hope? And I was like, uh, yeah, like a long time ago. And she's like, All right, I don't I don't think we did. And I'm like, dude, we totally did it. So I go look on YouTube and I go look on our um publisher and um no, we hadn't done it. We prepared to do it, but um we didn't we didn't do it and Laura knew that and I insisted she was wrong. So I'm here to tell everybody that she was not wrong and I was mistaken if you mm-hmm. will so laura was not left she was what she was not wrong <laughs> <laughs> she was the other left mm. she was the far she was three lefts in a row <laughs> she was three lefts in a row yes uh which equals i'll take not, it I'll not, t- i'm still gonna count it as a win not wrong yeah uh anyway <laughs> okay fuck she was right what are your sources, Miss Smarty Pants? <laughs> My sources today are theculturetrip.com and castleofgoodhope.co.za. Yay. Okay. Could be a typo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's about a minute. It has, right? So let's get into it. Um, this Castle of Good Hope, um, it's the oldest colonial building in South Africa. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, right? It, yep. It's a pentagon fortress built it by is. Dutch colonists in the 17th century. 
the well-known landmark is central to the history of Cape Town, having served as the seat of government. Oh, words are going to be hard. And military <laughs> operations for two centuries. You can tell I'm a bit out of practice. I'm full of frosty. There's not. <laughs> it was the seat of the governed peppermint. <laughs> frosty. Something. Frosty. All right. Ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in 1652, the Dutch East India Company, or people say D-E-I-C. Okay, so you'll see that on some of the building and stuff uh, if you see pictures pop up of it. Is that the, the group of folks in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? I believe it is. Uh, yeah, probably. Okay, cool. Right. So settled, they settled on the shores of Table Bay uh, to establish a refreshment base for ships en route from Europe to East Asia. Is that your cat? Yes. Okay, you want me to, here, we'll pause it real quick while she talks to her cat. <laughs> okay, we're back. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> it was a refreshment base for the ships, yeah, going from Europe to East Asia. Um, and oh. they they wanted it to help them maintain their monopoly over the spice trade. So this guy by the name of Jan van Riebeck, the first commander of the Cape, erected the original fort um, of Good Hope. So <laughs> it was a quadrangular uh, four-pointed fort, um, and it was built after the arrival of Jan van Riebeck in 1652, uh, where the Grand Parade and the main post office are today. So oh, okay. that tells you how, I mean, this this thing's been there for a long time. A minute, yeah. Yeah. So the fort was completed towards the end of 1653 and its inner structures in 1656. Um, however, there was constant problems with it. The walls of the fort, which were constructed mainly of clay, collapsed and required constant repairs. Ugh. Yeah. So a model, uh, this was the original fort. So it, there's a model of it that can still be seen in the Castle Military Museum. Oh, okay. So this guy um, that first established this this colony kind of area. Rebeck. Um, this is Jan van Rebeck. He left the Cape in 1662, and he was succeeded by a guy named Zacharias Wagoneer. In 1664, <laughs> there were renewed rumors of war between Britain and the Netherlands. So fearing a British attack on the Cape, the lords uh, instructed Wagner to build a five-pointed stone castle, similar to other such fortifications that they had in Europe and in the East. Okay. So the castle was planned around a central point, which was a water well. Um, and then they had five bulwarks known as bastions. Okay. So the site of the new castle was chosen in 1665. Um, and it was built mostly uh, by slaves. Sure, of course. At the local people called Khoi Khoi, um, burgers who were a mix of Dutch and Sri Lankan. Um, these were people. the slaves? No, these are different groups. So there were slaves, oh. A, oh. An, an indigenous people that were called the Khoi Khoi, and then there were burgers who are mixed, they're Dutch and Sri Lankan. Okay. And they're normal corp company workers. Oh, okay, gotcha, sorry. Okay. So the foundations were dug in 1665, and the cornerstones of the first bastion later known as the Leerdom Bastion, were laid on the 2nd of January, 1666, after which building started in all earnest. So okay. 300 sailors commandeered from passing ships 
The soldiers, as I told you, the Koi Koi, women and slaves were used as workforce, breaking stone and collecting shells, which were burned in lime ovens. Mm. Clinker bricks, which are heated clay bricks, um, which were brought as ballasts in Dutch ships, were offloaded at the Cape and were used as decorative features in certain parts of the castle. Okay. So in 1667, peace returned to Europe, which caused the building on the castle to be delayed. So because, you know, they were all in a hurry when they thought they were going to war with England. Sure. Now stuff seemed fine. They're like, yeah, begin chill. But then in 1672, there was an outbreak of war in Europe, and that caused the building of the castle to be resumed with a new vigor. So <laughs> That didn't right. last long. <laughs> no, it sure didn't. As you know. I mean, work. yeah. Britain got all uppity so, again? As they do. <laughs> yeah, those colonials. <laughs> Damn it. All right, so in 1679, the castle was finally completed. Um, it was called a castle because, as in the case of other castles in Europe, in addition to being a defensive structure, it comprised of a small community or town on its own. So oh. inside the castle walls, there was a church, bakery, workshops, living quarters, offices, cells, and numerous other facilities. Oh, yes. I have a picture of those cells. Please hold the line. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. beautiful. That doesn't look very welcoming. Um, I Zero stars. Do not recommend. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, this, I'm not, I can't remember. I think this was like a quarters of, of some people. I don't, I, we did this like a month ago, months ago. <laughs> so I forget, but it does, again, also not welcoming. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Doesn't look great. No. So the slate that was used as paving in the castle came from quarries on Robin Island. Uh, wood was brought from Hot Bay. The cement used to build the castle was obtained by burning shells and lime kilns at Robin Island until they formed lime. This lime was mixed with shells and sand to form extremely strong cement. Oh, okay. Um, this means that the castle is intrinsically linked to two of South Africa's icons and UNESCO World Heritage Sites, Table Mountain and okay. Robin Island. Wow, all right. Yeah, the yellow paint on the walls uh, was chosen because it reduces the glare from the sunlight and reflects, or, you know, like, less heat. Oh, well, makes sense. Right, and um, you may recall that former President Nelson Mandela damaged his eyes whilst working in the lime quarries of Robben Island during his long imprisonment there. That's right. Mm-hmm. So in 1982, a comprehensive restoration process was started to restore the castle to its former glory. Uh, the process was completed in early in 1993. <laughs> the castle is entered through the... <laughs> Interns <laughs> are starting to riot. Mm. <laughs> the castle is entered through the main gateway <clears throat> from the Grand Parade and City Hall side. This entrance was built between 1682 and 1684 to replace the original entrance, which was situated um, between the Burren and oh, Kassenelenbogen Bastions. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like, let's easy. throw a bunch of alphabets stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I know. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Humphrey's like, my ancestors are Dutch. <laughs> right. There are also two smaller entrances to the castle. Um, 
But this gateway offers a window on the past. The pediment above the entrance bears a coat of arms of the United Netherlands, portraying the crown, lion, rampant, with the seven arrows of unity in its paw. Oh, okay. Yeah, fancy. So fancy. We fancy, need fancy. we need something like that for the podcast. <laughs> right. Um, I'll get coy on it. <laughs> you'll also see the com- a lot of the company's monogram throughout the castle. It's VOC, and it's um, also along the sides of that. Okay. So there's a lookout tower on the roof, and it's known as the Captain's Tower. Um, the later used to be the tallest building in Cape Town for many years. Uh, the inner courtyard of the castle is divided by a wall, and the wall is a approximately 116 meters in length and 12 meters high and three and a half meters wide at the bottom and two meters at the top okay and they put buildings like on either side yeah. i don't really know why they did that just to section it off but yeah there. it does look i mean that makes it look less symmetrical but okay right i mean you do you boo i mean yeah <laughs> i mean when we build our castle we'll do how we want i get it exactly so <laughs> The part of the castle formerly known as Decat was the office of the governor and arguably the first seat of political power in South Africa. The course of history was determined in what um, is today very humble chambers. In 1674, the Council of Policy and the Council of Justice and the church all used the same chamber. Okay. The Council of Justice was responsible for hearing all cases at the Cape. Oh, I was like, where'd you go? <laughs> From these chambers, the Council of Policy controlled all facets of early colonial life. So where they could live, what they could plant and produce, the prices of produce, and many other aspects of lives in order to ensure order in the settlement. That boring. (laughs) Bossy motherfuckers. I mean, they should run their house the way we run ours. The new governor's house. Hold on. Tell me when you're ready. All right, you're good. Okay. <laughs> Just find the, the intern. Right. The new governor. <laughs> he's very growly. Um, he's mad that he can't find... There must be some... One of his toys must have gone under the couch, but he's like oh. making all kinds of a racket trying to get to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's like growling at. It's all bad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not getting up to go get it for you right now. Right. I'm a little busy. He's like, I don't have thumbs. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was the story. Um. So the new governor's house where the castle's chapel is situated and where one of the greatest indigenous figures of the time, um, Krotoa, or Eva, um, was buried. How do you get Eva from Krotoa? I think that was like her original name and then this is like a... Her white name? Yeah, basically. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what is a good nickname? Let's shorten Croatoa. We'll call her Eva. (laughs) I mean, I was just about to say. It just, it's, you can, you just know where the name came from. Mm. I mean, come on. (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry, go on. That's okay. Um, So... The right-hand entrance um, in the wall there was the entrance to the governor's residence, and he lived on the top floor. Uh, and the governor's sleeping quarters um, were above the arch, linking the front courtyard to Het Wappenplatz. This is just fun to say. On the left of the arch, it doesn't really have anything to do with anything. I literally think you're just making this bullshit up. <laughs> 
I'm not. I wish I was. <laughs> on the left of the arch was the residence of the second, who, guess what, was in second in command. Um, I know that was a leap. What was his so name? Bottom... Captain Ramalama Ding Dong? <laughs> <laughs> but shortened to Steve. <laughs> We're just going to call him Steve. <laughs> so in the bottom floor, you'll appreciate this, was, they had a, was all like for wine cellars and storage space. Love That's what him. I'm talking about. Bring uh-huh. it on home, sister. <laughs> All right. So um, in that building now, actually, when you go to visit the castle, there's a um, very nice collection of artwork oh. that depicts um, aspects of cultural life at the Cape um, from the VOC era, the Dutch East Indian Company. Um I've got a job there. Oh, sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line out of all of them. I've got a jar of dirt. <laughs> um, okay, so it's basically life from Steve and Eva. Yeah. And they're pretty much involved there too. Okay. All right. So, um, and now um, on the top floor of that, there's. Um, a banquet hall and the hall originally consisted of four rooms which were converted into a reception hall in the 30s mm-hmm. um and right outside that is the well-known porch or stoop um and that's where proclamations were read um oh, okay you know think olden time like people going out that's when they proclaimed laws to soldiers and civilians oh, okay um all legal sentences were announced from there and oh. official visitors to the cape were welcomed this remains a, remains a great reference point to explain how the announcements affected the lives of the indigenous and slaves and, in fact, um, shaped modern South Africa. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, sundials were used to tell time in the early years of the Cape. Uh, the sun, there's a sundial on the eastern side above the ceremonial office, and that was used to tell time in the morning and the afternoon. There's another sundial next to the balcony that was used. Oh, okay. Um, the time of the sundials was the official time for the entire Cape settlement. Oh. So they would, to let everybody know what time it was, they would ring the bell in the bell tower every hour on the hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when time could not be kept by the sun, let's say it's cloudy, um, they had a hourglass. And there would be a guard that would just flip it every hour and ring the bell. My God, that is the most boring job ever. <laughs> it might be. What if you took and a nap and like back then? But we don't really talk about stuff like that, and so I just thought it was interesting to kind of. What if he fell asleep watching the sand fall, and the and so these are the days of our lives, <laughs> exactly. And you know, miss three hours, and everyone thinks it's like one, but really it's four. <laughs> Bummer. I mean, fired. <laughs> See right, ya, Steve. We're making room for Bob now. We're going to know when the sundial comes back. (laughs) So (laughs) the castle represents in its restored form, Dutch, English, and French building styles. Hmm. In certain parts of flat roofs favored the Dutch. um, And they were rebuilt during restoration. In other sections, the pitched roofs and stonework of the British era can be seen. That's cool. Um, The original slate roof tiles were replaced with replicas um, later on. So the building on top of the roof between the bastions, Leerdom and Orange, is known for the as the captain's tower. So, um, you and said like that I said in earlier, a French for 150 accent. years, that remained the highest building in Cape Town. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. And at one point, there was a moat around the castle because all oh, fucking castles. You have to have you don't a moat. Have one. 
It's not a castle. It's not a castle. Right. <laughs> if you don't have a moat, it's not a castle. You've got to have a moat. So they did eventually um, restore some of the sections of the moat. So the original moat was 25 meters wide. Jeez, and okay. filled with water from the streams of Table Mountain. Um, and they built the moat um, in 1677. Unfortunately, the moat quickly became disgusting because they didn't have um, adequate drainage and the residents just used it for trash. Oh my so, God. Yeah. So in 1896, the moat on the seaside of the castle was filled up uh, to make way for the railway line. Um, and later they just filled up the whole thing. Steve and Eva were like, we are not living here anymore. This is disgusting. Right. This is not up to my standards. This is, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's sanitary. <laughs> right. So this is actually really interesting. So from um, the Burn Bastion, um, the advantage of the pentagonal shape of the castle is evident. The range and angle of attack of the cannons on the bastions overlap. Um, thus providing an impenetrable wall of cannon fire in the events of enemy attack. Oh my God, that is cool. Yeah, so the castle formed part of a formidable defense system at the Cape that discouraged attack, and it was actually never, it has never actually been attacked. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh, except with trash. Just with trash and poo. Okay. That was it. (laughs) And those won, by the way. Oh, I bet. As they do. I mean, yeah. God, that's so gross. (laughs) So part of what makes them so cool is that the the five bastions, the five, you know, points, right? Right. Um, With the little bastions on them. Um, They are, so they're different heights. So the ones that are closer to the seaside are 10 meters. And those that are further inland are higher so that in the event of an attack from the sea, Uh the cannons that are that usually face the land could be turned around and fire above the the other wall. Oh, okay. Wow. Does that make sense? It does. So yeah. Like, yeah. So it's just cool. Very that, smart. That's very cool. That sounds like a, a, one of Steve's ideas. If you ask me, I think Steve did a great job. I think he did. Yeah. So as we kind of talked about earlier, there is the jail and that was built by Louis the in 1786. So the double, when you walk in, there's a double cell to the right of the door. Okay. And that was used for locking up drunken soldiers. The large cell with two doors was used for a maximum of 20 people. (laughs) Apparently there was a lot of drinking going on. On the left-hand side, there are two cells designed for a maximum of 10 prisoners. Um, The double cell to the left of the entrance was the ablution cell or bathroom. Went right into the moat, okay. Right. It was, yeah, basically right over the moat. Okay. <laughs> um, and on the doors, there are inscriptions that are still there that were made by the prisoners. I love um, that stuff. I absolutely yeah. love that they keep and preserve that stuff. That's so it cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. So it is said that the prisoners used nails, which they pulled from their shoes to make the inscriptions. And that is probably only partly true. They also had access to other instruments such as cutleries. They probably use that. Oh, yeah. Um, All these inscriptions were made during the British era. The inscriptions on the outside of the doors were probably made during daytime when the doors of the cell were open and the large entrance was locked. Uh, The cells were used for the last time during the Second World War to detain prisoners from passing ships on their way to the east. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. In these cells, we find the first physical evidence that British military regiments were stationed at the castle. The inscription that remained intact makes mention of 61 regiment and dates back to the years 1840 to 1845. <laughs> okay. It is said mm-hmm. that the names above the doors of two of the cells are names of well-known Cape Taverns at the time. My so kind the of place. Drunks are in there writing down the names of their favorite bars. I absolutely <laughs> love this place already. Right. The Mason Jar. The <laughs> Mason Jar. <laughs> um, it is believed that this dungeon or so-called dark hole mm. was used as ammunition store and gunpowder magazine. The room was, however, too damp and was later and it was later used as a coal store. Oh, okay. Yeah. Research has revealed that the two rooms in the corner of the old recruitment building were the original interrogation chamber and dungeon of the old castle. That doesn't sound pleasant there in was, the least. Yeah, not so much. Mm-hmm. There was good reason for the interrogation chamber being next to the dungeon. According to Dutch law, a criminal had to confess to his crime before his sentence could be executed. The sound of torture coming from the adjacent room certainly facilitated this process. Prisoners were not supposed to be detained here for longer than 24 hours. Yikes. Yeah. So they would listen to everybody else being tortured and be quite ready to confess by the time it was their turn. (laughs) I would imagine, yes. I would imagine. So horseshoes were sometimes put on doors for luck. It is interesting to note that the horseshoe on that door is hanging upside down, indicating that in this room, luck had run out. Yeah, that isn't a good... Most of my family in in Arizona, like at some point, everybody had a horseshoe hanging on their wall for luck. Mm-hmm. But it was always like, you know, up. <laughs> Nobody ever had a down horseshoe because luck had run out. Just thought I'd share that. No, (laughs) just thought I'd share that. Yeah. But I really feel like I might have, maybe I lived here in a former life because I feel like I relate to all this taverns written on the wall and, you know, this is where we go to drink and it's, of course, Steve and Ava. I mean, they're there, right? I'm sure that they're ancestors of mine, yeah. (laughs) The Ramalama Ding Dong tribe. Okay, well, the second courtyard of the castle, which we touched on earlier, the Het Wappenplatz. Oh, right, that uh, one. <laughs> that one. So listen, where the WAP is. <laughs> <laughs> the name is evidently derived from the weapon inspections and drill exercises, which regularly took place there. Um, inside, in that area, that's where the well is, and that uh, formed part of the water supply inside the castle. Okay. Um from May 1797, Lady Anne Bernard, who was wife of the British colonial secretary, she acted as first lady to the governor of the Cape, Lord McCartney, whose wife did not accompany him to the Cape. Um, lady Anne Bernard and her husband lived in the governor's residence because he found it too large for his purposes. Uh, she made an everlasting impression on social life at the Cape. From sketches and documents which she left behind, much is learned about life of the Cape during the period in which she resided there. Huh, okay. So the wooden blocks used as paving under the arch um, going into the uh, into that courtyard were installed with the aid of dampening the sound made by 
horses' hooves and coaches when they moved underneath the governor's sleeping quarters. Smart. That is smart. Um, they also ensured that people walking through the arch did not have to walk in bun and water, which is nice. Right. <laughs> Helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate you. <laughs> um, okay. The well was originally in the center of the large courtyard inside the castle before the dividing wall was built. So according to research, it was the center spot from where the castle was measured out. Um, oh, okay. Today we find um, the well is in a small room. Oh, really? Still there, huh? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, it is pretty cool. So as part of the castle's 350th anniversary celebrations, the Jesus. Department of Defense commissioned statues of four African leaders who fought to maintain yes. the independence of their people during various eras of dispossession. Yes. The earliest of these featured leaders, um, I'm going to really not do well with some of the names. So um, this is a Khoi Khoi chief named Doman whose relationship with the Dutch shifted from watchful collaboration. He was regarded as a Dutch as a skilled um, interpreter to open hostility when he realized that the stay of the um, colonialists was likely to be permanent. So on a cold, wet day in May 1659, Doman launched, launched the first war of independence by indigenous people in Southern Africa against colonial invaders. Cool. Yeah. So Zulu King Setshwahu also spent time as a prisoner at the castle. This was after he had been captured in um, the Gnome Forest. Um, I'm not making that up. It's N-G-O-M-E, Gnome Forest. After his forces (laughs) had suffered horrific losses against the British. Um, Despite angry protests from whites in the colony of Natal, he was granted permission to travel to England to plead his case to British politicians. Okay. He was dubbed the ladies' man because of his striking good looks, even more so in tailored European clothing. Oh, wow. He inspired what was described um, as, quote, some very bad verse. Um, And here it is. (laughs) White young dandies get away-o, clear the way for set to (laughs) way-o. Another guest of the castle was Saikakuni, the king of the petty, who, like so many other African leaders throughout southern Africa, was forced into war by land-hungry white invaders. Um, in his case, it God, was... God, they ruined everything. For real. In his case, it was strife with the Boers in the 1870s that proved to be the beginning of his downfall. Although he was able to hold his own um, against the Boers, the British proved to be a different proposition. Mm. Yeah. Um, Theophilus Shepstone, the administrator of the Transvaal after the First Anglo-Boer War, was scathingly critical of the Boers for not being able to defeat the petty. This, he said, had seriously undermined the authority of the white man in Africa. Uh-huh. The notoriously cynical Shepstone um, pushed Sekhukuni into war by instituting a series of taxes and fines that the petty were unable to comply with. And so the only option open to them was war. Wow. Okay. Also to be featured um, will be Lenga Lebali, chief of the Thubi, who was also forced into a war he didn't want by the white authorities. Um, his people were driven into conflict 
because they proved to be um, much more successful at farming um, from their base in the foothills of Natal than their white counterparts. Yeah, that's a reason for fighting in war. I mean, of course. If you've been nice to them, they might have taught you, like, how to do it. (laughs) Right. So this is pretty cool that they're going to... Yeah. um, Acknowledge, you know. Yes. I've seen... I do remember seeing the four statues. Mm -hmm. But I don't... I couldn't find the picture. I thought I saved it, but I guess I didn't. Right. And there's... Obviously, a lot of history that comes because of the settlement on the Cape. Right. That is too much to go into. And this is just kind of touch on some, because they put the statues in there, the stories of those. Um, Men, yeah. Little abridged stories, yeah. Of yeah. People, so. Yeah. And that's what I have. Great job. That's really cool. Although I really do believe you made up most of those Dutch words. I mean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah that's perfect great job um just like with laura's part guys um like i said we wrote this over a month ago so i have forgotten the ghosts of the castle of good hope (laughs) um so i'll be learning them right along with you as the words are coming out of my mouth um we're gonna take a quick break i'm gonna refill my wine and we'll be right back with the ghosts of the castle of good hope (laughs) Okay, we're back. Uh, I I don't have my glasses right now. Um, I came back and before we came back on air, I told Laura, I'm like, I had a problem. <laughs> so I went downstairs to refill my wine and I was like, oh, I'm going to run to the bathroom really quick. And so I do my business. <laughs> I have my glasses on my head. And when I... When I flushed the toilet, I lost my balance and leaned, like, lurched forward, and my glasses oh, no. fell off into the toilet. Dude, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, so they are uh, not usable at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, so it wasn't anything crazy or, you know, whatever, but, <clears throat> yeah, my glasses fell into a toilet full of pee. Um, so I'm going to have to clean those. For that delicious anecdote. You're welcome. <laughs> are you done with your, are you done with your frosting? Yeah, thank God. Thank God. So, um, I've, um, had, um, this is my second glass of wine and now I don't have my glasses. I don't remember the story. So, uh, buckle up guys. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to make up some Dutch words. Let's go. We're going to make up some Dutch words. Um, uh, I I actually can't even see the buttons on the stream deck to go to the <laughs> fucking A, dude. Could I could totally do it. My okay. glasses are totally messed up for my fall. <laughs> oh, shit, that's right. Okay. Um, so my sources are littlehouseofhorrors.com. LOL. No, IOL.ca.ca. This fucking sucks. <laughs> and ghostwatch.net. Jesus H. <sighs> Get yourself an extra pair of readers from the Walgreens there, Grandma. I mean, I have two somewhere, not anywhere near me, but also I could, that's for close up. Um, <laughs> okay, so blood curdling screams, strange voices, and footsteps still terrify soldiers on guard during the late night ghost ship. Nope. 
shift ghost shift (laughs) (laughs) and here we go at the castle of good hope now the castle is on cape town's ghost route the buildings believed to be haunted which people can visit to see for themselves if they dare i didn't know there was a ghost route in cape town and now we have to go plus they have penguins they have penguins yeah they have penguins really in cape town yeah it's in the southern hemisphere right oh well you know what else they have you could dive with great white sharks which is what my friend cameron and i were gonna do and then i got pregnant and then i don't want to do that Oh, God. So we I will, were... I'll, go, I'll go hang out with the penguins. I'll okay, you. Sure. there you go. You hang out with the penguins, and you make sure that the sharks I'm diving with don't eat them. Fair. They'll be busy eating you. <laughs> <laughs> the penguins and I will be just fine, Carrie. That'd be great. Um, so eerie stories have been told of footsteps pacing along the battlements between the two bastions of Le- Leerdom and Buren. Buren. Uh, well, that seems easy enough. After World War II, these inexplicable sounds were accompanied by a floating human shape without legs. Why? Why with the legless apparitions? Like, it's weird. I know, and there's so many of them all over the world. Or the ones that I really hate are the ones that are just legs. Where's the rest <laughs> of you? <laughs> yes, God. So... Workers and visitors report hearing footsteps and voices in the windowless dungeon and in the building's narrow corridors. The bell in the bell tower sometimes rings on its own accord. Um, That should be impossible for for it to do that because it was bricked up centuries ago. (laughs) So that's interesting. Um, Now, legend does say that a soldier once hung himself by the bell rope. Perhaps it's his ghost that rings the bell. He was Which probably I, having to flip the thing. Tra- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't fuck dig it. Right. It was Bryce Steve. Um, <laughs> now, poor Steve. <laughs> poor Steve. Well, you know, his beautiful moat. I mean, look what happened to it. Um, a vicious black dog is also said to haunt the castle grounds. I think that would be terrifying because it lunges at people before suddenly disappearing. Could you fucking imagine no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, I don't even want my own dogs lunging at me and all they're doing is going to lick my face. But that just seems really scary. And it's probably mm-hmm. not anything cool like Sirius Black. Right. No. No. So people also claim to have seen a tall, luminous man leaping off the castle walls. Those ghosts are really scary. I don't like the idea of that where people actually see people jumping off of buildings, but then there's nobody nobody That's there really creepy yeah mm-hmm. i think there's a little this girl this is all kinds of the creepy shit huh a thousand percent there's a little girl that um people see jumping off of one of the um battlements of lep castle oh wow. and they freak out because there's this child walking up there and then all of a sudden she's you know yeah, I'll tell you what. Maybe I need to rethink this paranormal gig. Um, <laughs> but this guy disappears right before he hits the ground. Um, a man and a woman are frequently heard arguing near the guard's room. Um, and if people go to check it out, only a shapeless figure is seen. So here, an electrical bell is also heard while nobody is around to ring it. Even today, soldiers who guard the castle at night rather avoid passing through the castle's archways. They say they fear the restless souls that roam these areas. Wow. Yeah. So 
Lady Anne Bernard also haunts the castle up until this day. She lived here in the late 18th century, and as First Lady, she was responsible to entertain the important guests that visited the castle. She seems to keep on doing this, even though she passed away over two centuries ago. She reappears, or she appears, rather, when the castle is visited by important people. Could you imagine? (laughs) Her ghost has been seen at functions in the ballroom, clothed in a ball gown of her era. Wow. Right? Oh, here we go. Here's with the Dutch. Okay. Another ghost that keeps popping up is that of Governor Pieter Giesbert van Noot. Is that the name you said? No. No. Okay. I I thought it was. Pieter Giesbert van Noot. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry to all of our one Dutch listener. Uh, that that person just left. They were like, goodbye. Um, he was a strict and militant man. He sentenced seven men to death on April 23rd, 1728. And mm-hmm. he refused to grant a prisoner's last wish right before his hanging. The prisoner then cursed Van Newt. Later that same day, he was found dead in his office. He died of a heart attack, even though he was completely fine that morning. Today... Workers and visitors experience his bitter presence and they hear him cursing and swearing inside the castle walls. That, you know what? That could be me, frankly. Um, (laughs) I mean, I've got a mouth. Uh, There is also the ghost of a sad-faced woman wearing a long gray cloak who walks through the castle at night. She's been witnessed running through the castle, holding her face and crying hysterically. That could also be me. Um... (laughs) however since a woman's body was found during recent excavations her ghost hasn't been reported that's super interesting Uh uh-huh right um so guards and staff at the castle insist there is more to the castle ghosts than just spooky stories hilton fredericks who um has done guard duty on the dreaded 2 a.m to 4 a.m shift says Mm -hmm. bizarre things do occur in those hours now of course that's right around 3 a.m the witching hour um he says that some of the guards refuse to go past the donker gat or the dark hole the dungeon that you were talking about Mm -hmm. when making rounds late at night because it feels as if there's a powerful force or a vacuum that wants to suck them inside it ew Uh uh-huh i was like i feel like that that sounds like the well at Bobby Mackey's, which. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Fredericks adds that in 1952, a couple were granted permission to spend a night in the castle during the Van Rebeek, the Van Rebeek Festival. During the night, they woke up to find a lance corporal waking up the soldiers. When they asked what he was doing, he said the bus drivers and bus conductors were protesting and rioting in the streets. The next day, when the couple tried to find out about the incident, there was nothing in the newspapers. They asked the staff what had happened during the night, but nobody knew what they were talking about. Oh, weird. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. 
So Ashley France, who's a tour guide and a guard at the castle, said when he first did the ghost shift in the 1990s, he had a frightening experience. It was pitch dark um, and he was walking through the archway near the dark hole dungeon late at night. A strange feeling came over him and he saw someone waving at him. He goes, I know there were only two of us on duty and the other guard was on the other side of the castle. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I tore a piece of my pants and scraped my shin when I <laughs> ran past past barbed wire near the gate. Like, <laughs> I would have, you know what? That would have freaked me out too. Could you imagine? Just like, hey, what's up? Right? And then like, I don't care. They ripped my pants off. I got it stuck <laughs> on the barbed wire fence. Who cares? Um, He's fucking out of there. Gone. So another man named Abe Berg, who has worked as a caretaker at the castle for more than a decade, is another who has had experiences with the supernatural realm. With fear evident on his face, he said that one night when there was a function at the castle, he had to sleep over because there was no transport to take him home. He says, quote, during the night, I felt this heaviness on my chest and my body felt as as if I was tied up. I couldn't move. Eventually, I struggled free, kicking and screaming and ran out of the room. I stayed awake until sunrise. That would be really terrifying. I don't I don't like that. That feeling. There have been some places that you and I have gone where it just feels like you're being squished. Like mm-hmm. the, I don't know if that it's the air is thick. Yeah, it just feels heavier. Yeah. Um, an education officer at the castle by the name of Carl Kopersky, he often works late at night and he says there's definitely a presence. Sometimes it's an uncomfortable feeling, but you are definitely not alone and you know you're always being watched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so um, the apparition of. <laughs> I mean, does he have kids? Because that's what that's like too. Um, <laughs> I feel at my fucking house. <laughs> I am definitely not alone, and everyone is watching me. <laughs> the cat, the dog, the kid, the kid. Yeah. Um, the apparition of a tall gentleman was seen in 1915 on one of the castle's ramparts, but the man wasn't seen again until 1947 when he was seen on a regular basis over a two-week period. He would be seen jumping off the side of one of the castle walls and then walking between the bastions Leardom and Orange. Hmm. Orangey? Or orangey? Uh, you guys decide. Um... So now that's really all I could find. But quite honestly, that's kind of a lot. That's a ton. <laughs> that's a ton of different. So basically, there's like there's 700 ghosts. And mm-hmm. they like to jump. Are... Yeah. Creepy dog. They like to jump off of the walls. Um, they're fans of that bell. Mm-hmm. And um, they like to give you bear hugs that make you feel like you need to run until your pants fall off. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Castle of Good Hope. <laughs> well, that was a good one. I really Thanks. enjoyed Yeah, I, um, I've always wanted to go to Cape Town, um, obviously for the shark diving. But now there's a ghost, like a whole ghost route that I'm like, well, now, <laughs> now there's two reasons. So I have a goal to go to every continent. Um. And 
Like close to Antarctica. That would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be. Yeah. That would be really cool. I have, um, uh, I, there are so many places in Africa that I would actually like to visit. Um, South Africa for sure. Egypt, you know, like I would love to visit those places. Um, and I yeah, found I out some friends in West Africa. So do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, I recently found out that, um, through that ancestry DNA that I'm 13% Nigerian. So I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, Hmm. I want to, you know, if it were, I'd love to go see Lagos in person. I'm sure it's uh-huh. super intense. Um, and then right? I have yeah. friends and friends from Cote d'Ivoire. So yeah. Um, having places to stay and people to show you around is pretty cool. Um, Very helpful, yeah. yeah. I've been, yeah, wanting to go to Ngoro, Ngoro I may be murdering that um, crater. So that's like another bucket Ooh. list item for me. So Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I'd love to go to like Zanzibar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Stone Town. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Uh, uh, Africa is an underappreciated and under-touristed place. It, it is. It absolutely is. And yeah. completely by me, I would. it would be super educational for me to go. Yeah. Ethiopia would be amazing. That would be really cool too, yes. Plus also, you know, South Africa, that's where, you know, they make the Charlize Therons. <laughs> I mean, there is a reason to go for that. Yes. I mean, the penguins and the beautiful women like Charlize Theron. <laughs> Fair. I'm in. Um, you know Say what's less. funny is my dad was offered a job there when I was a baby. Really? Uh, um, and my dad was a nuclear engineer guy. So, um, oh, so one of those slackers, <laughs> nuclear basically. engineer. I mean, God. So, um, this is right after I think he, right after he left the Navy. So, and they were my parents were deeply considering it, but um, we would have had to have um an armed guard we would have had like our own car driven and an armed like that chauffeur person would have been an armed guard for my mom and me as like a tiny baby my mom was like nope wow yeah i mean fair yeah so basically you ruined their chance to live there uh she ruined my chance to meet and marry uh charlize Theron. oh yeah so i I like how you twisted that around on her okay I'm super bitter still. I mean, how dare she? Right. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now that we've trashed your parents and the people <laughs> that lived at this castle, um, probably all of the Dutch and, um, yeah, some of the, the tribes that live there, I think we're good. I think that's another successful episode in the bucket. <laughs> but... The funny thing is, I didn't look up any of the Dutch terms, <laughs> how to say them, but I did look up some of the indigenous did, ones. Did you really? Well, you yeah. know. Um, that's funny, though. Priorities. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, and thanks to Disney and the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Dutch East India Company is literally synonymous with Captain Jack Sparrow. Um <laughs> Because the minute you said that, I was like, oh, my God, I'm from Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've got a dirt. (laughs) Every time. I I just love that line. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's that on that. Um, I, I still don't have any other EVPs other than uh, peppermint frosties at Wendy's. Run, go buy them. Awesome. Yes, run and go buy them. Um, and we have another episode coming up. We have been slacking, and that's entirely my fault, on the uh, snack size episodes. But we will be back with those on the 20th. You and I, Miss, have a lot to record because we do have Thanksgiving coming up. Um, so I know that we probably want to try and take that weekend off to be with our families. Uh, or you cook for all of yours, whatever it is you want to do. Um, so we've got some stuff and some things. We've also been invited to be guests on other shows. So we should probably have a tiny meeting about that when we get done here. And that's all I have. What do you have? Nothing. Nothing. All right. As a reminder, you can follow us on all the new places, which are the old places, but minus the one place. So, yeah, we're not on the Dumpster Fire Network anymore. Not anymore. But we are on Instagram, Facebook, and the TikTok at HOH Podcast. We sure are. And if you want to follow our personal, well, not our personal, but our, um, I don't know, what do you want to call them? Our talent pages of the TikTok. <laughs> you can follow, uh, you can follow Carrie at HOH Carrie. And you can find me at HOAH co-host Laura. Yes. That's on the TikTok. That is on the TikTok. Um... And to that, we say thank you guys for watching, for tuning in. We're super sorry this episode is late. Again, my fault. Uh, and that's that's that on that. Uh, as we always yeah. say before we leave, guys, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is ringing a bell or what is that happening here. <laughs> That's in the fuck oh that's one of julie's pictures farmhouse. yeah yeah that is from the farmhouse that is its basement so um we'll leave you on that note um yeah you never know who or what is listening or fucking up the buttons on the overlays on the show goodbye all right thanks guys bye bye guys <laughs>